It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? It's another episode of Locked on Raptors. Sean Woodley here, and I'm joined on today's show by Vivek Jacob, our pal, once again for a second time this week as we are continuing our series of episodes looking at what success would be for the big members of the Raptors. We talked about Scotty Barnes two weeks ago, Pascal Siakam this last week, and this week we are talking about Fred Van Vliet, who was the star of Raptors Media Day and is very much the guy who has the keys to the franchise. Even though he's not the best player necessarily, he is certainly the most front-facing, and so we're going to talk about what last year sort of informed us on when it comes to Van Vliet's game and what to expect this year and what would be an overall successful season for. The new Raptors captain? Is that what we're calling him? There's no captains in basketball, but I guess that's what we can call Fred Van Vliet on this here Raptors team. Either way, all the Fred talk is coming up in just a second with Vivek. Uh, stick around. Oh, like because when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot trying to miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the free top of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1025 of Lockdown Raptors for Wednesday, September the 29th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. You can also find the podcast on all of your favorite podcast platforms, as well as YouTube, and it's all free across the board. No paywalls here, baby. Uh, so please, subscribe, tell a friend. We're over 700 subs on the YouTube page now, pushing towards 750. Would love if we could get to 1,000 by the start of the season, at the very least. That would be incredible. Uh, all right. Uh, by the way, also a huge thank you for making us your first listen of the day. And uh, let's get into it here. We are joined once again by our pal Vivek Jacob, who was on the show Monday, is back today because he is stuck in perfect talking to me and it's uh it's good for me i don't know if it's good for him but vivek how's it going buddy <laughs> hey man it's good it's good i uh, love talking raps love talking raps with you uh and yeah it's kind of become a staple of my coverage at least so 
uh, happy to do it. Happy it was to a get- damn shame for you, but I appreciate you <laughs> lending your talents here. Um, by the way, you've got this interesting sunbeam currently uh, on your shoulder. We've discussed this, right? This yeah. is this is the one uh, blind that broke off. So now every morning, um, depending on when we start, it'll yeah. be hovering across the well, I can't remember what direction it goes. Is it going to be over your face by the time this is over, or is it moving off to the right of your shoulder? Um, Yeah, it'll be the content people want. It'll be moving across my face. Excellent. So we're going to have a very illuminated Big V uh, later on in today's show. It's just like a wonderful sundial, the handsomest sundial you've ever seen. Uh, (laughs) So Big V, as promised uh, off the top, we are going to be talking about Fred Van Vliet today and digging into, uh, again, the question of what a successful season would be for a key member of the Toronto Raptors. Uh, The Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam episodes I thought were quite good, and we're going to continue on the grand tradition here with Fred Van Vliet. I guess the place to start here, we'll get into sort of expectations for him this season and the ultimate question of what would be success for him. But I think the good place to start is to dig into last season for Fred and kind of do a bit of a refresher on what his year was like and also sort of talk about how he kind of changed minds a little bit as far as the type of player that he is. Uh, Last year, to refresh, 52 games played, started all 52, played 36 and a half minutes a game, a career high, 19.6 points, 4.2 boards, 6.3 assists. 1.7 steals, uh, 0.7 blocks, although I believe most of those blocks were just steals that were misassigned in the stat sheet. And Fred would tell you that he probably would have led the league in steals had he uh, had those blocks properly assigned as steals. Either way, he shot 36.6% from three on a career high 9.2 attempts a game. His effective field goal percentage dropped to 48.9. His true shooting percentage was uh, 53.4 by the season's end, right in line with where he was during the 2018-19 season, a drop-off from 2019-20. You know, it was kind of an interesting year for Fred, where the volume increased, the efficiency came down, and, you know, there were some crooked shooting lines out there, you know, from time to time, but also lots of really, really good steps forward for Fred. How did last season for you, you can kind of dig into any part of his game that you want, but did last season change the way you think about Fred Van Vliet as sort of a player and where he fits into the Raptors sort of future and hierarchy? I think so. Uh, I I think if anything, you know, before that, I might have wondered if his best role, you know, Mm -hmm. there there are players who can come off the bench who are capable of starting. but then you wonder if, you know, they're still best suited to coming off the bench. And so with Fred, I wondered if, you know, his best role specifically on a championship level team mm-hmm. was that sixth man role, you know, and and last season changed that last season. I think it became more of a conversation of at least for me, you know, OK, you know what? He, he is a very good starter. Uh, but you do still have to build a specific way uh, sure. around him. And, you know, I, I don't think uh, with the way the league is today, and obviously the Raptors recognize that, you, you, that you can have uh, two small guards in, in the backcourt uh, mm-hmm. and and seriously uh, go for a championship. Um, you know, if you, if you have the adequate length and size, then, yeah, uh, you can do it. So I think the shooting guard spot becomes critical. Uh, in terms of addressing that. But with Fred Van Vliet, I think his performances, uh, you know, I think he improved as a playmaker, obviously improved as a scorer. Uh, the 50-point game was just ridiculous. And the fact that he <laughs> can get that hot 
is just insane. And then defensively, like he knows it. We everyone who watches him knows it. He's one of the best defenders in the league, especially at the guard position. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the Raptors being relevant again this season and not this sort of like backwater, sad franchise playing in Tampa that everyone's just kind of looking at sadly. <laughs> like it's it's going to be, I think, really good for those all defense cases for Fred OG and the like. Um, so that's nice. Uh, you know, to, to your point, like, yeah, I, I think my view of what Fred can be certainly changed last season. And it's for two different reasons. One you know, I always kind of just assumed Fred was in his best role off the ball. Like, I thought he should just be a spot-up guy. You know, if you think back to 2018-19, even the seasons when he was running the bench, like the bench mob season in 17-18, you know, I, I always was kind of wanting something a little bit more. And I was always a little bit happier when the second point guard he was sharing the floor with, whether it was Kyle Lowry or DeLon Wright, had the ball in his hands and was kind of doing the creation. And then Fred was kind of the benefactor of said creation. That changed for me last season. I think he got way better as a pick and roll operator, which was always sort of a bugaboo for him. He could never connect with his bigs. Uh, he you know, was kind of slow in sort of reading those, those plays and kind of getting those passes moving and getting those possessions moving along. That changed last season for sure. And he did that without any center help, which is kind of impressive. <laughs> and so I, I think I'm looking forward to him having like legitimate centers this season to work with and hopefully a lot more, you know, see Occam, Van, Van Vliet pick and roll, stuff like that. And like the pick and roll operation came so far last season and the pull up shooting is such a big part of that, right? Like even if he's not a Kyle Lowry level passer, he's an incredible pull up shooter. I think his you know percentages from there are even better than some of the best Kyle Lowry seasons we saw as a pull up guy. So that's an excellent thing to have in the bag. The other thing, too, is just like the underlying stuff, uh, I think, really kind of split for me last season. You know, we, we, we saw during the you know the championship the championship season the the defense season and all that you know when fred was on the floor they weren't really driving huge winning momentum when fred was out there right like it, it was usually tied to kyle lowry and if he was playing with kyle things were going to be good if he wasn't playing with kyle things were going to be kind of cratering out there and that was not the case last season at all fred was a positive force on the floor basically every time he was out there his underlying numbers the sort of uh, you know, the on off splits and everything super encouraging and i think that for me is maybe even the biggest thing like because you know with a guy like fred who's 6 feet tall you have to do stuff that Kyle Lowry does, right? You have to do that sort of in-between stuff and make an impact in the game other than just with scoring because it's not always going to be there with you when you're six feet tall. Like, it's just the way it is. And he really did impact the games in those sort of subtle ways and the sort of Kyle Lowry devil magic type ways. No one's ever going to be Kyle Lowry when it comes to being that sort of dude who can go two of 13 and still be a plus 36. But I still, like, I think there's a lot of growth area in terms of what we've seen from Fred in that department. And that's really exciting because, you know, having that guy out there who just kind of does all the right things and is doing important things on every single play, whether, whether on offense or defense, like that's what Fred wasn't until last season. And he was very much that last year and kept the Raptors afloat in the times when Kyle Lowry wasn't available or when he was running his, his own units. And I think that's huge. Did you see that as well? Like, do you feel like you're more comfortable with Fred kind of being a guy who can drive play for your best lineups? Uh, you know, that la like last year sort of did that change at all for you? Yeah, I, I think to an extent, because when you look at uh, how the Raptors want to play, especially defensively, like they want to get up into the ball. They want to create pressure and they want to mm -hmm. get out and run. And when you think about, 
when OG is able to leak out and Pascal is able to leak out, a lot of that is Fred up top applying that ball pressure to the point where whoever he's guarding can't throw fastballs to his teammate. And and so when you take that away and it's a bit more loopy, that's when you're able to get OG out deflecting it and going the other way. And then Fred, you know, he, he was up there in deflections himself. So, uh, you know, with his constant digs and then getting the team out in transition, I think that's a big part of it. Now, the next part, which obviously because of the way the team was constructed, I don't think we have a true test of is mm. the half court offense. And so, uh, you know, that that's a significant part of the game. And so I'll be looking this season to see, you know, how he leads the team in that regard and, and driving winning from that perspective uh, to where, you know, he's able to get guys involved, get his own offense uh, and, and, you know, have Pascal Siakam be the guy. <laughs> uh, I do want to really dig into Fred Van Vliet and whether, you know, there's a better version of Fred waiting this coming season. He was so good last year. He was a borderline all-star. Had the team been a little bit better or not fallen off just before the all-star break, maybe he's there. Uh, so I want to get into the question of can Fred Van Vliet improve? And if so, in what areas can he mine a little bit of extra uh, sort of juice? We'll get to that in one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at sweat block who are saving you from having uh, those pit stains man pit stains suck they're terrible but everyone deals with them and some people more than others because some people sweat excessively i am one of those people but guess what sweat block is the answer and they have a dry shirt guarantee meaning if you don't they don't keep you dry with their antiperspirant wipes and other wonderful products you get your money back i can tell you Media day on Monday was a stressful time for me. I am a person who whenever I go to a Raptors game, I just tend to sweat a lot. I don't know what it is. It's like humid and sticky inside there. Uh, you know, there's people, it's just constant sort of hubbub and I am a sweaty dude. And so I'm always mindful of what colors I'm wearing when I cover a Raptors game or go to media day. It sucks. I hated it. But guess what? Sweatblock fixed me basically. I used the, the antiperspirant wipes on Sunday night, woke up, went to media day wearing an orange shirt and did not sweat at all. It was beautiful. And I got to tell you, it sounds like it's too good to be true that you just use their antiperspirant wipes. You have applied at night before bedtime, go to bed, wake up the next morning, wash and go about your day without worrying about sweat. Sounds too good. But guess what? It very much is the truth. And uh, I can tell you it, it, it's worked for me and it should work for you as well. No more pitting out, no more picking your shirts based on which one will hide sweat better. If you or someone you love is dealing with this, you have to check out Sweatblock. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code locked on, or you can also find it at Amazon and CVS. Today's show is also brought to you by our pals over at rockauto.com. And we know by now, listening to this podcast for the last year or so, as Rock Auto has been a gracious partner of ours, uh, I know nothing about cars. It's insane. I just do not know a thing. I don't know what the, what the words are. I don't know if I look at an engine, I have no idea what I'm looking at. And uh, that's okay, because Rock Auto makes it so I can pick up the car parts I need and still not get fleeced by the mechanic who's just looking for me. I'm meat to a mechanic. They look at me and they're like, this dude knows nothing. I'm going to charge this guy as much as I can. Not anymore, because rockauto.com gives me the parts I need for less. And the site is so easy to navigate, it, which is not an easy thing to do or say or claim either way. 
Uh, let's uh, dig into some more Rock Auto stuff here. Uh, you can go to their website, of course. You can go through their app and, and, and navigate there. Find all the parts you need for your, your car or truck, whether it's a do-it-yourself job, whether you're a professional, you need some good, high, heavy-duty stuff. Again, I don't know if anything about cars. Maybe that's not even a thing. Either way, go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write Locked On in their How'd You Hear About Us box. And know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, Big V, let's continue on here, shall we? Um, Fred, Fred Van Vliet, you know, let's continue on here and look at whether or not he can get better this season. I, I think there's certainly some areas of his game where it's not a complete project or anything like that. There's definitely some extra um, production to be mined there if he can kind of hone some things and, and, and polish some things up in his game. For you, what's like the biggest area that you're hoping to see improvement from from Fred that is realistic you know there's some things that just aren't going to be because he's six feet tall but is there an area of his game that you think is like a realistic thing to target to tangibly improve this season to even improve his standing as a starting level point guard on a good team well I don't know if you consider this unrealistic because of his height but the finishing at the rim I think yeah uh can still come along quite a bit and Mm -hmm. uh I think the way the paint was clogged uh, last season maybe lended to it, but obviously he's had a history of just not being a good finisher at the rim. And so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he was honest about it at media day. He, he recognizes that's an area that he has to improve. And I think the biggest thing to improve at the rim is to improve the mid-range game. Mm-hmm. Because I genuinely believe that when you're able to be a threat from everywhere on the floor, it, you know, that's when the individual defender, that's when defenses as a whole can't necessarily plan for you. And so, uh, you know, the, he's done well to expand his three-point range mm-hmm. and sort of create that separation. But once he gets to the middle of the floor, a big can't be looking at that and saying, well, go ahead. You know, I, I know you're gonna come. Yeah, I know you're gonna come at the rim. I don't. I don't need yeah. to. I don't, I don't really need to defend you out there. Uh, and so the more, you know, when opposing bigs uh, or whoever it is may, it makes that decision to say, "Hey, I'm just gonna wait for you at the rim," and he's able to pull up and just finish, uh, the more it'll open up the rim for him. Yeah, and last year we saw like a real sort of stratification of his shot chart in the direction of three-point shooting. He was a, a 48.4% of his shots in 2019-20 were from three-point range. Last season, 54.7. Uh, and, you know, a little bit more in terms of mid-range, like that upticked, uh, you know, a few percentage points here and there. But at the rim, he actually went down from attempting 30% of his shots at the rim to 17.4 last season. And that's just not enough. And that is a byproduct of him being a really good driving kick guy. So he would get to the rim and instead of shoot, he's passing up to three-point shooters and all that, which is great. I believe he led the league in uh, drive and kick assists on, on threes or some version of that stat. But that's just not enough if you want to be like an all-encompassing lead guard who can keep the defense on its heels with both your scoring and your playmaking. Um, I guess the encouraging thing is that the percentages were up for sure. Mid-range, 43.3 up from 27.6 between 10 and 16 feet. Uh, and then between 16 and the three-point line, uh, up to 38.6 from 32.6. So those are reasonable numbers, and you can maybe build in a little bit more uh, expectation of growth there with better spacing and just better supporting cast, just more reps doing it. But 
the percentages around the rim, still not very good. 53% at the rim, down from 55 the year prior. And then from 3 to 10 feet, just 26% up from 23% the year before. I think that's the key area is the floater range. And I think we saw this, think back to DeMar DeRozan, when he really became like a fully sort of vision-realized scorer. It was that 3 to 10-foot area where he really kind of mastered, right, and that little push shot. And, you know, Fred's obviously not six foot seven, so it's going to be more difficult for him to master that shot. But do you think there's room for a floater there with him? I don't really believe there's a lot to be improved in terms of his like immediate at rim finishing just because of the size he's at. Like, I believe our friend Joe Wolfon was the one who pointed out last season that Fred's an amazing, terrible finisher because when he does con- you know, connect, it's great because he does have the English and the sort of reverses and the moves around the rim to get his shot off. It's just going to always be difficult when you're six feet tall. But in that three to 10 foot range, maybe you can overcome that size a little bit more with a well-timed floater. Do you think that's possible or is the height still going to be a limiting factor there for him? The height will be a limiting factor to a significant extent, but mm. I think for him, uh, I, to your point about, you know, the drive and kick, I think he does get into that mode of, Hey, I was able to get the screen or I was able to get by my man. I'm going to race to the basket. If the layups there, great. If not, I'm going to kick it out. Yeah. And I think there's just a little bit more of, you know, Hey, I've got this the first step on him. Uh, I'm, I'm going to keep him on my hip, and then I'm going to be able to just toss one in um, from that paint region. You know, mm-hmm. so I, I think there is a little bit more to be gained from that, and I think you can look at Kyle Lowry for that. And you know, I'm sure we'll touch on this player later, but uh, I'm I, I think that's something that Malachi Flynn can look to do as well. Mm-hmm. So and so yeah, I, I think most guards. You know, even if they don't have the size, there's enough sort of shiftiness in them to where all you need is that split second uh, of, you know, hesitation in the defender Mm -hmm. that is enough to rise up and get the shot off. So, I mean, Tony Barker was the master of it, right? And he wasn't someone that was massive. So uh, I think it's definitely in the bag if he works on it. Yeah, I think like changing speeds is a big thing, right? Because, you know, Kyle was not just a get downhill in one speed type of guy, right? He would slow down, he would move his ass into people, like he really had a sort of good understanding of the angles and everything. And Fred could get there, right? Like not everyone is Kyle Lowry, and it's going to be an unfair standard to hold Fred up to being Kyle Lowry. Mm -hmm. I don't think that should be a thing we do at all because it's impossible. Kyle Lowry is the greatest Raptor of all time and one of like the five smartest basketball players of the last 20 years. It's going to be difficult, but... I do think there's a lot to be learned from just watching Kyle tape and seeing how he kind of overcame the height. We've seen those parts of Kyle's game infused into Fred. You know, the the pull-up three-point shooting, for example, was a Kyle thing that really unlocked him. And that, I think, is what unlocked Fred last season in a lot of ways, too. It's just a matter of, I think, you know, there's almost like an urgency to get downhill and get to the rim as fast as he can because he knows he's like outmanned size wise and it's like i gotta beat the dudes to the spot like if he's just a little bit more patient a little bit more sort of stop and start a little more delon righty uh <laughs> in terms of you know just the way he kind of uses his body and, and changes speeds i think that could really help with that floater game as well um but it's also possible that he just never improves at it and that's also okay because what he is right now is like more than worth the money he's making it changes maybe the complexion of what you need to put around him if he's just going to be what he was last season. But just what he was last season in quotes, like 
that is a very good player. Like that, there's nothing wrong with what Fred was last season. And I just think even if he is the same player in terms of skill and, and like his overall bag, I think it'll be a better season for him anyway, because the supporting cast will be a little bit more improved and just deeper around him. So that's encouraging. Uh, any other sort of thoughts on Fred's potential for improvement this season? Any other areas other than the obvious sort of around the basket and the floater range stuff that you're really looking uh, at as a, like a kind of potential key to unlocking a different version of Fred? Um, you know, the playmaking improved a lot last season, but I still think mm-hmm. the, there's more uh, that can be had there and yeah. quicker decisions uh, understanding that the ball will come back to him, especially, you know, with Kyle gone, like there's going to be plenty of touches for everyone. So, um, you know, that sort of early offense, let's keep the ball in motion, that type of thing. Um, and m- then maybe a little bit more of like just improving his offhand where, yeah. you know, even with the kickouts, it's, it's sort of like drive in, sort of, you know, get the contact and then it's out with that two-handed kick, um, kick out. So, yeah, I think improving his passing with the offhand and then just quicker decisions overall and keeping the offense more in motion is another thing that I'd highlight. Yeah. The other thing that I would say, too, is, like, can he be a better lob passer? (laughs) Like, we didn't really get to see that last year because there wasn't really a lob threat on the team. Um, you know, Aaron Baines was certainly not that. And Ken Birch, I think, is still a little bit more of a groundbound guy, even though there is some lob potential there. But like Precious Achua, I think, is going to be really interesting to watch here because that guy profiles as a vertical threat like they haven't really had since like Bismack Biombo was on the team when they were throwing lobs to him all season, which was bizarre on its own. Uh, but like, can he sort of master that? Because that's always been a struggle for him. And I don't know where to lay the blame for last season and the struggles there because Baines and then like Freddie Gillespie is that's kind of been my bugaboo with him his entire time with the team is like he just is not a threat at all as a target as a, as a dive man and so you know with sort of more vertical leaning bigs is Fred able to add that to his game and that's maybe not fair to say that's not part of his game he hasn't really had a chance to flex those muscles but still will be an important thing any extra way they can get easy shots in the half court is going to be huge for this team this year Uh, and Fred obviously is going to have his fingers in that pie all the time Um, we're going to continue on here and get to the overall question of what a successful season for Fred Van Vliet would look like in one second but first I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar, who are making the best tasting protein bars money can buy. They're really, really good. I don't know what to say. I had a Built Bar yesterday. I had a uh, cookie dough chunk, which is one of their limited time flavors, which is available on the site right now. Go pick it up right now before it's gone. Uh, and it was wonderful. I had it before a bike ride. It doesn't weigh you down. It doesn't make you feel like you have that sort of full, like, uh, iron stomach full of crap. Like, it just is a nice bit of juice and energy and protein to get you through your workout and also makes you feel like you're cheating and having a candy bar which is also lovely because i'm a man who loves a candy bar but can't eat them all the time anymore because uh my metabolism is terrible uh so built bar is a great alternative they have nine amazing flavors in the regular lineup again limited time flavors appearing all the time you can buy all sorts of different boxes one flavor you can buy a mixed box of two of each of nine you can get three flavors and six of each one there's really endless options when it comes to built bar go check them out 17 to 18 grams of protein in the average bar calories ranging from just 130 to 180 and only four or five grams of sugar in or and net carbs in all of their bars as well go to built.com use the promo code locked 15 and get 15 percent off your order that's the promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off at built.com 
Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at betonline.ag, who are back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on the field to start another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With the new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, betonline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 100% welcome bonus that is double your initial deposit just for signing up. With the promo code NFL100, all one word. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. All right, Vivek, let's round this thing out and let's ask the question. What's a successful season for Fred Van, Vliet, Fred Van Vliet this season? It's his sixth year. I can't speak. The successful season for me is getting people's names right and not having mush mouth. But uh, the a successful season for Fred, what are you looking for? Is it basically a replication of last season? Is it something more? Is there something non-statistical you're looking at? Uh, what's your sort of read on what we're hoping to see from Fred this coming year? Statistically, I'm definitely looking at the room finishing. Um, that's a big one for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you mentioned, the, you know, is there a floater package? Is there a mid-range uh, that he's more willing to go to? We, we saw it sparingly used last season. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, but I mean, part of that is Nick Nurse too, right? Like he doesn't want mm-hmm. guys taking that shot. So sure. we, we got to see how that plays out. Uh, I think at the end of the day, you, you know, the biggest thing you hit on was probably how he drives winning. And how, mm-hmm. how does he get this Raptors team back to winning? Um, we don't want to make unfair Kyle Lowry comparisons, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, when you're in that guard role, that lead guard role is about making your teammates better. So uh, <clears throat> how he's able to drive those units that, that he's on will determine a, a lot about how successful the Raptors are this season. So if they are a top six team i would mm-hmm. consider that pretty successful if they're able to get home court advantage somehow <laughs> that would be really successful yeah um, but i guess the question is like how much would fred factor into that right like are you expecting if there is going to be a big surprise for the team this season does it more come from fred expanding his game does it come from og becoming like a dead-eye scorer like what's your sort of avenue to them being that good because, yeah, so again, that comes back to, you know, okay, you've got someone like Ken Birch. You know, how much are you getting out of him? What's mm-hmm. that chemistry with? I mean, I expect it to look good with Pascal now. I mean, Fred talked about how, you know, when he's there with Pascal, you know, without having to manage uh, the situation with Kyle, the, there's just an easier flow. Sure. Um, and so I expect that to be fine. But, uh, we all want to see a big leap uh, in OG's game. So mm-hmm. uh, how does Fred help facilitate that? Yeah. And so, you know, as much as we say, hey, it'd be great if OG can be a borderline all-star this season, there's got to be things that Fred does to facilitate that. So that is kind of how I'll, I'll be measuring his success. Yeah, like how he his impact on other guys is felt. Like I mean, that's what every good point guard does, right? Like that was the Kyle thing forever is – Kyle's teams won 50 games a year and surprised idiots because they weren't watching Kyle Lowry all the time. But like, 
Everyone on those teams was better because of Kyle Lowry. Bigs are better because of Kyle Lowry. Um, you know, open shooters are better because of Kyle Lowry. And again, all these Kyle Lowry comps to Fred are deeply unfair, but it's going to be what's asked if they're going to be uh, a surprising good team. Like if there's not good win driving point guard play, then that's going to be a problem. I think we're going to see it from Fred. You know, I, I don't know if we'll see the improvements around the rim that we're hoping to see, but I think even if, you know, just sort of like a scaled up version of last season who maybe doesn't have to be on the ball quite as much because there's some other help with the, you know, Drogic and Flynn in the backcourt and then also Pascal and OG getting more in terms of reps with the ball in their hands from the front court, Like, I think that'll open up Fred to be off ball a little bit more. And, you know, hopefully his three point percentage kind of tick back up, you know, last season kind of quietly just 36.6, which isn't bad, but for Fred, who's been a 40% guy, most of his career, bit of a drop down and obviously tied to the increase in burden and volume and all that. Um, so if we could see a bit of a sort of move back up towards 40 from Fred, I think that'll be big too. Uh, and kind of hint at he's not being asked to do everything, which I, you know, I don't think it's fair to ask him to do everything as much as, you know, everyone wants to make him the Kyle Lowry. That's not going to be feasible for anybody. Let a, like It's not just a Fred thing. It's most point guards aren't Kyle Lowry. So how the Raptors kind of go about making it easier on him is I think a big part of the success question too. Um, you know, I, I'm curious to see what his on off splits will be uh, and like how, Things were impacted last year because of how bad they were when their best guys weren't available. They were a minus 5.2 last season uh, per 100 possessions without Fred on the floor, a plus 3.3, so an eight and a half point difference. I'm curious if that's going to kind of trim down this season just because there's going to be more competence on the roster. I don't think that's a suggestion that it's like a, a drop back for Fred in terms of his overall quality or anything like that. I think the more important number is like, what's the number when he's on the floor? Um, you know, it's not so much when he's off because you would figure they're always going to be a little bit worse when he's off, but are they, you know, a plus five team? Are they a plus six team when he's on the floor? Because that's what, you know, you got, you got to be in if you're going to be sort of a, a top of the table type of team. And so that's going to be interesting for me to watch as well. Do you have any other stray Fred Van Vliet thoughts? Um, you know, I, I think we've kind of glossed over this, but a big part of it too is like how he just kind of adapts to being the clear leader of the team. And I think we've seen just in one media day session, that's not going to be a problem at all. I don't think. And I think no. he's going to do a really damn good job of holding guys to account. And honestly, you know, of all the guys on the team who could kind of challenge the Raptors um, priorities a little bit, you know, I talked about yesterday about how the Raptors approach OG is going to be really telling of what their priorities actually are. I feel like Fred's priorities are win every game at all costs and uh, screw development in some cases, if that's the case. Um, I'm very curious to see how like the push and pull of Fred's insane competitiveness with the team's maybe sort of more developmental approach is going to is going to go here. I think he's going to be like a fine sort of steward of whatever type of team they're going to be. But that's an interesting thing to watch for sure, because my sort of takeaway from his media day was. You know, Bobby Webster. Oh, we might be like kind of all right. We're early in the in the in the in the in the phase here. Nick Nurse. Oh, we're going to be weird and we might have some trouble scoring, but we're going to try some stuff and it's going to be you know trial and error. And Scotty Barnes is going to play a ton. And Fred's like, I've never lost. We're not losing like that again. We're winning all the games. Uh, do you view that as like a good thing to have in the room as sort of like a, a counter to the more developmental inklings the team might have? I think so. I, th I think in terms of developing winning habits. You know, if you set a standard where you can just show up and losing is okay, and you kind yeah. of say, ah, you know, this is part the of magic the model, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then you know you can have young guys who sink into that, yeah. and that's where 
you know, I, I remember at times we would talk about last season and, uh, you know, to tank or not to tank and guys getting minutes and we'd have that debate about, you know, you, you were on the one side, it's like, hey, let's let's give these young guys the minutes and let, let's see what they're about and develop. And, you know, f- from my perspective, it was, hey, let them earn it. Let them fight yeah. for it because that's going to that in itself is going to make them better. Uh, sure. and, and now, you know, again, with the improved depth on the roster, I want to see them fight for it even more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I, I think having that mentality is really good. Um, I think, you know, last season will help him maintain some perspective. Yeah. When Because uh, let's face it, they're, they're not going to be a top two, top three seed. That's mm-hmm. just not going to happen. Um, uh, and so I think when those losing moments happen, it's like, hey, how do I keep the locker room together uh, sure. better? Because I thought one of the things that uh, was really insightful that he said that maybe didn't get uh, as much play was, you know, he was like, yeah, when we were losing, we I could count on one hand how many guys were really with us. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so how do you keep it together this time around? You know, you don't expect that level of losing. Mm-hmm. But um, maybe in that regard, he'll look at those situations and say, hey, we got to rally the troops a bit here. Totally. Um, I guess my last point is I'm really looking forward to him putting up like 40 point games repeatedly while Pascal's out because there's no other option. <laughs> Just like the OG and Fred show. They might lose a lot of those games, but uh, I look forward to heat check Fred early on. Um, it is currently Vivek o'clock as the sunbeam is moving across your face, which means it's time <laughs> to wrap up the podcast. Uh, Big V, thank you so much for being here once again. It was lovely chatting to you a second time this week. Yeah. Uh, we'll have you again next week, of course. And we're coming up on over-unders time as well. we got to get with Sahal to figure out what the over-under recording date is going to be. But that is, if you are not a long-time listener to the show, if you've just discovered it on YouTube or come to it this season, our annual over-under spectacular is my favorite episode every year. Uh, and we will be putting together that episode very shortly with Vivek and, of course, Sahal Abdi from Raptors of Public. So stay tuned for that. And, uh, yeah, at Big V, anything you want to plug? No, just usual stuff, man. Raptors.com, Complex Canada, CBC Sports. Follow me on Twitter at Vivekam Jacob. Hell yeah, man. Uh, you can Subscribe find me. Subscribe to Locked On on, you, uh, on YouTube. Do what Vivek says. He's handsome. Uh, you don't <laughs> listen to me, but that's fine. Listen to Vivek. Uh, yeah, this is, the subs on YouTube are deeply appreciated, and uh, the audience has been kind of nice this week, or very nice this week. So thank you to those who have uh, consumed that nummy, yummy content. Uh, anyway, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Woodley Sean. You can subscribe to, rate, review this podcast on all your favorite platforms for free. I want to thank you again for making us your first listen of the day. Now go make your second listen of the day, Locked on NBA, as they are covering the NBA Every single day. You can also go listen to Locked On Fantasy Basketball, too, if you're a fantasy basketball head and get ready for the season to come. Drafts and all that are on the way here as the season's just a few weeks away. Uh, we got you covered here at Locked On. So thank you for tuning in and being a supporter. And we will talk to you again tomorrow as Katie Hindle is going to join the show. And we're going to talk about vibes, baby. Uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Bye-bye. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.